This podcast is brought to you by the Islamic Center at NYU, located in New York City. For more information, visit our website at www.icnyu.org. We want to reflect a little bit in regards to what it means when we speak about the mercy of God, as mentioned within the Quran. When we talk about the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we see that the term mercy and compassion, that of rahmah, and the Rahim is mentioned many a time within the Book of God. And we are taught within our tradition to begin every action with the recitation of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, beginning in the name of God, the most compassionate and the most merciful. And similarly, we find that God mentions the same phrase 114 times within the Quran, 113 times at the beginning of each of the chapters, with the exception of chapter 9. And does anyone know when the other time that Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is mentioned within the Quran? In addition to the beginning of every chapter, with the exception of chapter 9, there's 114 chapters, it's mentioned 114 times. That means there must be one place within the Quran where it's mentioned not at the beginning of a chapter. Does anyone know? Sorry? Surah Tawbah is where it's not mentioned, yeah. Where, is, where, where, where else is it mentioned? Chapter 27, actually. Chapter 27, uh, which is Surah An-Naml, in a conversation between um, Prophet Sulaiman and uh, the Queen of Sheba. Anyhow, it's important to think a little bit in regards to what it means when we speak about the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially during these days and nights of the holy month of Ramadan. Since the major theme of these days, of these nights, really of our entire existence, is in terms of seeking God's mercy. We are taught that our entire lives in terms of our obedience should be to put us in a state whereby we are humbling ourselves in order to be recipients of God's mercy. That our prayers, literally when we go into the state of prostration, is a demonstration, again, of humility in front of God so that he allows for his mercy to descend upon us. When it comes toward fasting during the month of Ramadan, we abstain from food and drink, so that we attain the fulfillment of divine reward and blessing in terms of that of our hearts. When we go for hajj, when we pay zakat, we talk about the purification of the wealth or the time or whatever it is that we give in order to invoke the mercy of our Creator. When performing the pilgrimage, the first thought or the first dua that's recommended to be recited when we enter into the proximity of the house of God is again to invoke God's mercy and compassion because as we know, he is Arhamur Rahimin, the most merciful of those who show mercy. And when we want to really start to think about what it means when we say that God's mercy is comprehensive of all things in the dua of Ali ibn Abi Talib, known as dua Kumail, he states at the beginning of it, Allahumma inni as'aluka birahmatika lati wasa'at kulla shaykh. He states, Oh Allah, I'm asking you by your mercy, which is comprehensive of all things. Meaning that within every existing thing in this universe, it's created out of the mercy of God and has within it the mercy of God. Think about it for just a moment. How much of God's mercy surrounds us on a day-to-day basis that we are completely negligent of? How often are we thankful for all of the 
illuminations of mercy that God places around in his universe. It's a beautiful day outside. The sun shining is out of the mercy of God. The weather is out of the mercy of God. Though we might not be able to perceive the rain and the snow and the cold weather and the weather that's seemingly not so nice, from our perspective, it's out of the mercy of God. Every day when you wake up in the morning, it's out of the mercy of God. Every day when you sleep at night, it's out of the mercy of God. When you're able to eat, when you're able to drink, when you're able to remove even those, that which you ate from your body is out of the mercy of God. Everything that surrounds us is out of the mercy of God. Again, going back to this dua, we say, Allahumma inni as'aluka birahmatika allati wasa'at kulli shay. That, oh God, I'm asking you by your mercy, which encompasses or which penetrates all things. So the first step that we need to have, or the first step that we need to make, is a mindset that everything around us is out of the mercy of our Creator. And with the bounties and blessings that God has offered us, by means of His mercy, we need to also fulfill the right that He has over us at that moment, and that is to be thankful of the fact that God has allowed for us to be recipients of all of these manifestations of His mercy. How often are we thankful of God once we've recognized that all of these things are out of His mercy? If someone offers you something or someone offers me something, be it small or, if it, or, or be it large, be it a date or be it a meal or be it a thousand dollars, Naturally, it's out of human etiquette for us to be in a state of gratitude to that individual. And if we are not being grateful to them, well, then we are ungrateful. And we are not emphasizing the qualities and the etiquette and the character that God has desired from His creation. I often give this example, and I'll give it again. That imagine that we all went home and... Right in front of our front door, there was a briefcase that had a million dollars in it. What is the first thought that is going to come to your mind? The first thought that comes to your mind is where did this money come from? What else are you going to be thinking about? Even though you're really excited that you have a million dollars in front of you, and you probably have a million ways that you want to spend all of those million dollars, you also want to make sure that that money is legit. So you're going to want to know where it came from. Let's say that you opened it up and there was a letter in that briefcase and it said that it said your name on it, it said your address on it, and it said, this is a gift for you from Anonymous. Once you have a little bit of certainty that maybe this money is legal and you can actually spend it, then actually the next stage is, even though it came from some anonymous donor, that you want to actually find who that person was. Because a million dollars is a lot of money. So you're going to put forth an effort, naturally I would think that most people would put forth an effort toward determining who was the person who gave them that briefcase filled with a million dollars. Is that fair to say? For at the very least, we want to be able to thank them for what it is that they did. Think about our lives. What's the first thought that comes to us in the morning? Where am I going to get my coffee? Except when it's the month of Ramadan. When, it's, when am I going to start getting my coffee? How many more days are left? Our thought naturally should always be 
I need to thank the person or I need to thank the one who has given me another day because my life is more valuable than a million dollars. And all of the bounties and blessings that God has given me during the course of my day is worth far more than a million dollars. Yet I'm willing to thank the one who has given me wealth, but I'm not willing to thank the one who has allowed for his mercy to descend upon me in so many different ways and for his mercy to penetrate all things. The first step is for us to understand that though the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is comprehensive of all things, Allahumma inni as'aluka, that, oh Allah, I'm asking you by your mercy, which is comprehensive and which penetrates everything, we have to fulfill the responsibility of being thankful to God for all of those mercies which He has allowed to descend upon us. This is step number one in terms of understanding what it means when we talk about God's mercy. Step number two is for us to be in that state where we're actively looking and actively, excuse me, seeking thanks from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, demonstrating our gratitude to Him for all of the bounties that He has offered us. In a supplication from Ali ibn Hussein, who is the great-grandson of the Messenger of God, he's known as Zayn al-Abideen, the great-grandson of the Prophet of God, the direct great-grandson, from his grandson Hussein, whose father is Ali, whose wife is Fatima. He states in a dua, Alhamdulillah alladhi ja'alani ashtahi. All thanks and all praise is due to God who has given me the ability to crave food. The ability to crave food is out of the mercy of God. As I mentioned before, sorry to get graphic, but the ability to excrete food is also out of the mercy of God. There are plenty of people who it pains them when they do that. It pains them when they have to use the restroom. Out of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for most of us, hopefully for all of us, inshallah, is not. It doesn't pain us. Out of the mercy of God. Just think about how incredibly merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. I gave this example the other day for those of you who attended our other halakha. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful that He gives us variety when it comes to food. That the sunset and the sunrise is attractive to the eye. None of those things had to have been done. Every single one of our fruits could have been an apple. They didn't have to be bananas or mangoes or strawberries. Not that I have anything against apples. Our only vegetable could have been kale. Some people are like, oh man, that's really exciting. Kale doesn't taste that good, at least to me. But alhamdulillah, we have spinach, and we have cucumbers, and we have lettuce, and we have onions, and we have tomatoes, if you consider it a vegetable, or a fruit. Out of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has created these things in different colors, so that they're attractive to the eye. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to give us the beautiful scenery that we have in this universe. Siru fil he always tells us, travel the world and go and see. Go and experience new things. Out of the mercy of God, He has created all of us. And out of the mercy of God, and this is the most important sort of theme that I really want to focus on for the rest of the evening, is out of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has kept the door of His forgiveness open for us, no matter how many times we are negligent of all of the mercy that He has illuminated across this universe. 
God has given us all of these things. Are we thankful to them? When we're not thankful for them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't punish us for it. I always teach, or at least I try to always teach my daughters that whenever I give them something, they should be thankful for it. By literally just saying something like thank you. And I always tell them that if someone else gives you a gift, you make sure that you're thankful for what you got and tell that person thank you. And if they don't say thank you, we're going to get upset as parents. How come our children are not saying thank you? How come they're being ungrateful? We'd get angry. We'd get upset. It's natural. Because nobody wants to be around people who are ungrateful. And that's when I try to instill those habits from when we're young. And probably, like we all know, that when we were growing up, our parents, they worked, or values, or community, or society, works toward instilling the values of being thankful for the bounties and blessings that have been given to you, either by God, or even by members of your family, community, friends, whatever it might be. Saying thank you is not something that is so difficult. But for whatever reason, again, we are so negligent of the fact that every single thing within this universe is out of God's mercy, and oftentimes we're it's just so forgetful of the fact that we need to be thankful to God for all of this. Which is why in a famous tradition from amongst the grandchildren of the Messenger of God, Ja'far al-Sadiq, he states that true thankfulness is to know that even the ability to say thanks deserves thanks. That even my thank you, I need to say thank you for the ability to say thank you. The fact that I've recollected and remembered that God has surrounded me with all of these blessings, that thought that entered into my mind, I have to be thankful for that. And then I have to be thankful for the fact that I'm able to be thankful for that. Then I have to be thankful for the fact that I'm able to be thankful for that. And we keep on going across the system and across this sort of linear understanding whereby at the end of the day, we need to be in a state of perpetual thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what's so incredible, I'm just going to sort of break up this point a little bit more, that one of the names of God is Ash-Shakur. Anyone know what Ash-Shakur means? In the Arabic language, when we want to say thanks, we say shukr. Right? Ash-Shakur means someone who is the all-thankful, Meaning that God is always thankful. Someone who's always giving, why does he or she need to be thankful? Let me give you an example. If you go and you give me a gift, I say thank you. How are you going to respond? You're welcome. Are you going to respond by saying thank you? It'd be weird if you did that. You give me a gift, I say thank you, you say thank you, I say no, thank you, you say thank you, I say thank you, you say thank you. Eventually, the one who gave the gift, the one who received it, is more responsible for offering thanks than the one who is giving. When it comes to God, why is God known as Ash-Shakur? Or why does he call himself Ash-Shakur, the All-Thankful? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not need to thank us for anything. Does God need to thank us for anything? Have we offered anything to God that He can be thankful to us for what effort that we put forth? No. Rather, everything that we do is in conviction and fulfilling the obligation of God. And even the actions and the rituals that that we perform are lacking the sense of certainty that God has demanded from us 
But still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He calls Himself Ash-Shakur, the all-thankful, because He's thankful for the fact that we're thankful to Him. He's thankful for the fact that we commanded, that He commanded us to pray and we prayed. He's thankful for the fact that He commanded us to fast and we fasted. How incredible is God? How incredible is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Doesn't make any sense. Our minds and our hearts and our intellects are limited in terms of understanding His mercy and in terms of understanding His generosity. He is thankful for the fact that we are thankful to Him. And every time I say, Oh Allah, thank you for the blessings, He says, No, thank you for thanking me. And then I say, Thank you, Oh Allah, and He says, No, thank you for thanking me. And I say, Oh Allah, I'm in perpetual thankfulness to you for all of the mercy that you have surrounded me with. And he says, And I'm in perpetual gratitude to you for recollecting and remembering and being in a state of recognition of all of the mercy that surrounds you. And my perpetual thankfulness doesn't compare with the perpetual thankfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if I really were to be all thankful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all thankful. You hear what I'm saying? Follow me? And that's a little bit out of the mercy of our Creator. These nights, the nights of the month of Ramadan, are an opportunity for us to seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, the microcosm, the main theme of this month is a month of mercy, is a month of compassion, is a month of seeking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where we've lapsed, where we've transgressed, where we've erred, where we've fallen, God has always left the door of His compassion open. And it's out of the mercy of God that He has given us the month of Ramadan. Did He have to give us the month of Ramadan? No. But out of His mercy, He gave us the month of Ramadan and He said, I don't care what you did yesterday, I'm going to forgive all of your sins for the rest of your life. By putting forth effort during this month. And then he gave us the nights of Laylatul Qadr. And he states, out of all of these nights, I'm giving you one night, which is known as Khayrum min Alfi Shahr. That is better than a thousand months. Better than 83 years. That is a microcosm of a, of a lifespan of a human being. In one night, you have the opportunity to make the Ma'raj to God. When the Prophet salam, he went toward the heavens, he, said that he performed the Ma'raj. Some of his companions, they went toward him and they said, Oh, messenger of God, we want to go to heaven too. We want to see paradise as well. We want to be in the proximity of God's throne as well. How do we go for Ma'raj? To which he responds, Sarat Ma'raj al-Mu'min. That for the believer, his prayers or her prayers are the Ma'raj that takes him toward God. But I don't necessarily feel that sense of conviction throughout the year. During the month of Ramadan, my focus is a little bit more fine-tuned. My khushu and my awe and my understanding and my recognition, my piety, my taqwa, my God consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during these days, naturally for all of us, has to be on another level. Because God places that in our hearts, out of His mercy. God's mercy is so vast that He has given us this opportunity. Just think about it. And if we go and we take a look at all of these blessings and how many things that we need to be thankful for, and how many things that we're not thankful for, God still says, I will forgive you and I will grant you and place you into my paradise. What do we know 
really about the mercy of our Creator. So incredible. I want to reflect upon a couple of verses that speak toward the mercy and the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In light of this particular theme of the notion of forgiveness when it comes to our sins, now that, we've have, now, now that we have a little bit of a framework understanding of what it means when we talk about God's mercy in general terms. In Surah Az-Zumar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verse 53, he states, قُلْ يَا إِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَتُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الْبُنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمِ He states that, O oh, you who believe, O oh, servants of mine, and it's really important to note that when God in this verse, He states, قُلْ Meaning, say, toward the Prophet ﷺ, Ya ibadi, O oh, my servants. Sometimes within the Qur'an, God begins the verse by stating, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, O oh, you who believe. Sometimes He makes it even more general, and He states, Ya ayyuhannas, O oh, humanity. But in this verse, He states, Ya ibadi, O oh, my servants. Who is the servant of God? Every single one of us. Whether we believe, whether we don't believe. Whether we practice, whether we don't practice. Every breath of ours, every time our eye blinks, is a testimony in the existence of our Creator. And over here he states, Ya ibadi. He's stating, O oh, my servants. Meaning he's attributing every one of us to himself because he's speaking about his mercy. He states, Ya ibadi, alladina asrafu ala anfusihan. O oh, my servants who have transgressed their own souls. Think about it for just one moment. When we do something wrong, when we, when we, when we publicly do something that, that is embarrassing, even our closest friends or family members, they might look at us and be like, that, 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 that guy's not my brother. He's not my friend. She's not my sister. I have nothing to do with that person. But over here, what does God say in this verse? He says, Ya ibadi alladina asrafu ala anfusihim. Oh, my believers, oh, my servants, oh, my slaves who have transgressed themselves. Meaning that God, He's talking about sinners as being His. You hear what I'm saying? Everyone following? Ya ibadi alladina asrafu ala anfusihim. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. Don't despair in God's mercy. And we have numerous traditions. Traditions that maybe some scholars would say that has reached the level of tawathur. Meaning it's impossible to neglect, it's impossible to reject. Traditions that state that the greatest sin that a man, a woman can commit after attributing partners to God is to, is to despair in God's mercy and to believe that he or she will never be forgiven. That's a sin to think that God is never going to forgive you no matter how many times you've fallen, no matter how many times you've erred, no matter how many times you've transgressed, God says never even allow for the thought to enter into your mind that I will not forgive your sins. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. As I mentioned the other night as well, God states in the Quran, Inna allaha yuhib at-tawwabi. That God... God loves those who repent and seek forgiveness from Him. What type of a Lord do we have? 
that we do everything wrong, that we are not thankful in the least bit for those blessings that surround us. Think about it. Going back to the example that I gave earlier. How many of us have been thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the sun? By literally going into prostration and saying, Oh Allah, thank you for the sun. Usually when you're ungrateful, people take away what you're ungrateful for. When my daughter doesn't say thank you when I give her the iPad to play with, I'm going to take it away after a few moments because she was ungrateful. God's a lot more merciful than I. He says, you weren't thankful for the sun? Don't worry, you can have it tomorrow. You weren't thankful for the mangoes and the strawberries and the bananas? Don't worry, they're still going to be around. You weren't thankful for the last 30 or 40 or 50 years of your life? Don't worry, I'm going to give you another 30 or 40 or 50. You weren't thankful for the ability to eat? Don't worry, there'll still be food tomorrow. You weren't thankful for the ability to use the restroom? Don't worry, you're still going to be able to tomorrow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is such an incredible Lord. He's such an incredible creator. There's no comparison when you speak about the mercy and the compassion and the generosity and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this verse he states that, Oh my servants who have transgressed their own selves, la taqnatu min rahmatillah. Don't worry about it. Don't despair in God's mercy. Because that thought that enters into your mind, that's what's going to bring down my anger and my wrath. But my mercy and my door and the door of forgiveness is always open. He continues. Inna allaha yaghfiru dhunuba jami'an That God will forgive all and every sin. Every single sin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, irregardless of whatever it was, that my mercy is there present for whatever it is that you seek repentance for. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الْبُنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ For surely He is the all-forgiving and He is the all-merciful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again, He gives us this sense of hope. And imagine we didn't have the sense of hope. We commit one sin, we commit two sins, we commit three sins. And like many of us might say even to ourselves, what difference does it make at this point? I'm going to go to hell anyway. It's not good to talk like that first of all. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't despair in my mercy. The door is always open. All you have to do is seek. But again, in order to be recipients of God's mercy, we have prerequisites that we have to follow. There are certain responsibilities that we need to make sure that we're fulfilling and obligations in order to be recipients of that mercy of our Creator. And according to a narration narrated in Al-Nahj al-Balagha of Ali ibn Abi Talib, peace and blessings be upon him, he states that there are three levels of istighfar. Three levels of returning and repenting back toward our Creator. The, no- the first one of these is to make sure that we repent and that we make a firm commitment to God that we are never going to return back toward those sins. Number one, to make a commitment that we are never going to return back to the sins that we have committed. And that means to recollect where it is that we have fallen and where it is that we have transgressed. 
the sins of our eyes, the sins of our tongue, the sins of our ears, the sins of our hands, the sins of our thoughts, the sins that we perform on a day-to-day basis, that of pride and that of arrogance and that of anger, that of taking away the rights of others or that of transgressing the rights of God. To make a commitment that we are never going to return back toward where it is that we have fallen and where it is that we have lapsed. Someone says, that's really difficult. How can I surely make a commitment toward God that I'm never ever going to return back toward that sin? Obviously we're a human being and we consistently transgress the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this becomes important then for us to ask God to give us the ability to not return back toward those sins and to not transgress His boundaries and to allow for Him to give us the ability and the strength and the divine providence for us to continue to push forward. And even when we've sinned and we've made that commitment that we're not going to go back toward that sin that we committed and then we do it anyway, well then you ask God for forgiveness again. And as a tradition from the Prophet ﷺ states, that even if you go and you seek forgiveness and you make a commitment to God that you will never return back toward that sin, and then you fall back. And then you make another commitment to God and say you'll never do it again, and then you do it again. And then you make another commitment and you do it again, that if you do it and if you say it with sincerity and with a state of real conviction and belief that you believe that you will never return back toward that sin, that the door of mercy God is always open for you. So number one, the first step is to make a commitment toward our Creator that we are never going to return back toward that sin that we commit. Secondly, we are told that the second level or the second prerequisite is to make sure that we're fulfilling the obligations or we're repaying back the rights that we've taken away from us. So if you have missed prayers, then you start to make up those missed prayers. You have missed fasts, you start to make up those fasts. You've stolen from someone, then you return back that which you've stolen. You've abused someone, then you go back and you seek forgiveness from them if you've taken away their rights, be it verbally, be it physically, whatever it is. And that's not easy. It's easier to make a commitment to God when it's between you and Allah and say, oh God, I promise I'm never going to return back toward committing these acts of transgression. But what becomes really challenging is for us to say sorry to one another, where we've wronged one another, to return back something that we might have taken. It doesn't have to be necessarily, again, only in terms of property. To tell other people I'm sorry is really difficult and really challenging. But let's start with the first level. And that is, for instance, being in a state of putting back or returning back our uh, responsibilities toward our Creator. Someone says, I haven't prayed in 10 years, 15 years. I never fasted during the month of Ramadan. Out of my negligence, out of my desire just not to fast. It's okay. Because again, God states in the lie of that God, His sins, excuse me, God's mercy will always precede His wrath. Do not despair from God's mercy. And you start making it up. And you start making small incremental strides. And let's say someone says, I will never be able to make up 10 years worth of prayers. If you put forth an effort, 
you take one step toward God, you think God's not going to run toward you. Out of God's mercy and compassion, you put forth your effort and you will see that he will give you the divine help and the providence. But you have to trust God. Out of his mercy and out of his generosity, even if we strive and we don't get there, I'm certain. My opinion and my opinion within myself is that I have reached a level of certainty in this regard that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we put forth our effort and strive our best, you think God is going to you know, close the door of paradise on us? He's not going to do that. Inna rahmatullah sabaqat that surely the mercy of God precedes his wrath. So number one, or number two, step number two, is to start paying back those responsibilities that we have toward God by means of prayers, by means of fasting, and then secondly, in terms of others. Oftentimes we have a lot of pride within ourselves and we don't want to tell other people I'm sorry. Well, the third prerequisite, as mentioned by Ali ibn Abi Talib in Nahj al-Balagha, in order to make sure that we're fulfilling the rights of repentance, <coughs> is to make sure that we feel the pain of obedience in the same way that we feel, the, in the same way we enjoy the pleasure of disobedience. In the moment when you're not praying, when you're not fasting, though everyone else is, it might feel good. In the moment when you spoke out at someone and you lashed out at another individual, it might have felt good. But when you realize what you've done, and you realize that you might have hurt someone else, that seeking of repentance from that individual is painful. It's hard. It's not easy. And anyone who says it's easy for me to say, I'm sorry to someone else, that's incredible. You have an incredible heart. Because for most people, it's the most difficult thing to do. And then it becomes even more difficult for the person to accept that person's apology. In a narration from the Messenger, he states that the most powerful person is the one who is who has the opportunity to take vengeance on someone, but lets it go. When someone comes to you and says, I'm sorry, you could throw it in their <coughs> face and say, do you know what you did to me, X and Y and Z, and just go off? Or you can be like, you know what? Let's just let it pass. It's over. That's not to say that someone should not feel the pain that someone might have struck on him or her, but also to understand that Accepting one's forgiveness is more for ourselves than it is for the other person. So again, going back toward the larger theme, which is to understand and to recognize the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we go on these three prerequisites in order to accumulate that divine bounty and His compassion. Number one is to make sure that we make a firm commitment to God that we're never going to return back toward that sin. Number two, to make sure that we're repaying our responsibilities to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number three, in the words of Ali, alayhi salam, to feel the pain of obedience in the same way that you felt the pleasure of disobedience. So if it means we have to start making up prayers and making up fasts, it's painful. Fasting is painful. Standing and bowing and prostrating for 10 years worth of missed prayers, that's also painful but you have to go through the pain of obedience in order to overcome those moments of transgression. And that's how we're able to be then recipients of the mercy and the compassion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'll conclude with these last couple of thoughts. 
and then maybe we can open it up for some questions in the next, uh, in the next couple of minutes, inshallah. And that is that during these nights, during these days of the holy month of Ramadan, we are less than 10 days toward the conclusion of this blessed month. And one of these nights is amongst the nights of Layalul Qadr. If we have an opportunity to stay awake in the course of these nights in dedication and obedience toward God, then do that. If you have the opportunity to spend a portion of your nights in solitude, in prayers, in recitation of the Qur'an, in seeking forgiveness from God, in thinking about certain instances when you have transgressed and when you have erred and when you have made mistakes, then you go ahead and you think about that. Because these are the days of real opportunity and these are the days of real transformation. In a prophetic tradition, he states, That the greatest of criminals is the one who allows for this month to pass and God does not forgive his or her sins. Meaning that you have to be a really bad person to not have your sins forgiven. We are not of those people. So all we have to do is open up our heart for one minute, for one moment of real sincerity in seeking the mercy of God during the course of these days and during the course of these nights, and you will find that He is Arhamurahimi. I'll leave you with two anecdotes. There's a tradition that tells us that on the Day of Judgment, that God is going to be gathering together all of humanity and all of creation. And He's going to be holding us individually, one by one, to account for our deeds and for our actions in this dunya. And the tradition tells us that the Day of Judgment will be the equivalent of 50,000 years. It's going to be a really long time. We think 18 hours is a long time fasting. 50,000 years is a really long time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be holding every single individual one by one to account for our deeds, for our actions, for the words that we spoke, for the way that we treated others. And after He has judged everyone, no one else from the mahshar of humanity remains except for one person. And God will instruct His angels to go and take a look through that man's account. And their deeds will be put on the scale, and the scale of bad deeds will outweigh the good deeds, and he will be condemned toward eternal punishment. And at this moment it is said that the angels will be commanded to take him toward hell, and they grab him and they begin to take him. And as he's at the brink of eternal punishment, he wrestles himself away from the angels, and he looks back toward the throne of God and he states, Ilahi, Oh my Lord, I swear I did not have this opinion of you. I didn't think you were really going to do this. Your mercy outweighed your anger. I did not think that this was going to happen. And really, think about it. When we sin, at least collectively I can say we're all believers. We all love our Creator. We want to make efforts towards strive and toward making incremental changes within our lives. That's why we're here on this evening that we don't sin because we believe that we're better than God. We don't sin because we don't believe in God. We sin because we believe that God's mercy is so vast and we're certain that He's going to forgive us. So this man, he says, Oh Allah, 
I, I really didn't think that you were going to do this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look toward his angels, not look to him physically, but he'll speak toward his angels. And he will tell, or he'll look toward this man who state kadabti abdi, the tradition states, that you are lying, O oh my servant. Again, he attributes that man, the sinner, to himself, my servant. He could have said, you have sinned, oh, whatever your name is, or you're a liar, whatever your name is. But he states, that you are lying, O oh my servant. Then he looks toward the angels, and he says, that's okay, admit him into paradise. And another tradition states that on the Day of Judgment as well, there will be this man whose account will be had. And again, similar to that other man, his bad deeds will outweigh his good. And he will be condemned toward eternal punishment. But before the angels go and grasp him and take him to where it is that he has to belong, he begins to run to hell, the hadith says. He will begin to run toward hell. And all everyone in the everyone in the universe is wondering, what's wrong with this guy? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command his angels to stop him before he jumps into the internal inferno and receive punishment. And then Allah will speak to him and say, Oh sinner, what's wrong with you? Do you know what I did? I condemned you toward punishment. He says, Oh my Lord. He said, Every single day in the dunya, I disobeyed you. Every single day in the dunya, I disobeyed you. I didn't pray. I didn't fast. I didn't fulfill anything from amongst the responsibilities. I wasn't a good person. But on this day, the day of judgment... I thought, let me obey you one time. And so you told me to go to hell, so I wanted to run to hell. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to his angels, admit this man to paradise. God's mercy is vast. And again, as we state in the dua, Allahumma inni as'aluka birahmatika lati wasa'at kulli shay. That, oh God, I ask you by your mercy, which is comprehensive of all every single thing that we see within this universe, every single thing that is within us, we might not see it and we might not perceive it and we might not understand it and we might not recognize it, but everything has the penetration of the mercy and the compassion of God. But it's about us to be thankful for it, number one. And number two, be in a state of seeking forgiveness for that which we are negligent of. And we will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His mercy, and out of His generosity, and out of His compassion, and out of His love for His creation, will admit us into His proximity. And if really we did not have God's mercy, and we are told to say within a dua, Ilahi, aminna bifadlik, wala tu'aminna bi'adlik. Oh Allah, judge us, and treat us, and work with us by Your grace and by your mercy, and not by your justice. Because if God is just, then we're in trouble, man. If God really allows, even though he's the all-just, to rule by his justice, then we're in trouble. Thus, we need that mercy of God. We need that generosity of God. We need that love of God. And the thing that we need to making sure that we are reaching during the course of these days, and during this course of the last nights, of the holy month of Ramadan is a recognition of it firstly. Recognize and contemplate and think about how much mercy is surrounding us, number one. 
Number two, be thankful for that which you can recollect. And number three, where you've lapsed, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. And inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit us into his mercy, admit us into his paradise by his mercy and the proximity of his messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and his immaculate family, the Ahlul Bayt. Peace and blessings be upon them. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Wasallallahumma ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala Ahlul Baytah al-Tayyibin al-Tahirin. If you enjoyed or benefited from this podcast, donate and support the Islamic Center at NYU at www.icnyu.org slash donate.